Thank you for listening in to this week's sermon from Restoration Church Bryan. To learn more about Restoration, you can find us online at restorationbryan.com. We are so grateful for all those who are able to listen online, and we pray the message encourages you and challenges you as you draw closer to Jesus. If you are not already connected to a local church, we would love to invite you to join us for worship. If you are listening from another city, we pray that this message is a great supplement to your walk with Christ, and our hope is that you would have a gospel-centered local church that you call home. Thanks again for listening. Amen. Well, if you got your Bibles, Ephesians 19, uh, 11 through 20, and we're, we're going to jump in in just a moment and talk about the mission uh, in Ephesus, uh, living in a, in a spiritual war zone. If you've got uh, your bulletin, you can follow along. We've got some notes uh, as well as uh, you can follow along up on the screen. Uh, listen, I, I, I mentioned it last week. My heart uh, has been has just been broken and heavy for uh, the country of, of Ukraine and for Ukrainian Christians, Ukrainian uh, church. Many of you know that, that God used a, a short-term mission trip to uh, Kiev in 2001, uh, right before my, my last year of college, to really redirect my, my heart and, and, and my life to follow Jesus and to follow really God's uh, God's, God's will and plan for my life and my future. And, 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 and here's the thing, um, as we look at what's going on, as we look at the, th- the, the scenes, uh, we, we are, um, and, and we should be shocked by these, these scenes of war. Like, I, I don't know about y'all, but like the thought of, of Bryan College Station being like surrounded and like tanks rolling up and, and being shot at and bought like the thought of like bombs going off in my neighborhood or having to sleep underground in a subway system like all of that's pretty it's pretty foreign to me uh, it's probably it's probably foreign to to all of us but for Ukraine for the Ukrainian people like that's that's reality right now that's that's their reality is the Russian military has rolled in uh, to hijack their country uh, and their their freedom by force. And as Americans, like it's, it's, it's just sort of jarring uh, because we we've known uh, at least to a certain degree, we've known peace for so long. And granted, we're I think there are too many who are oblivious of the cost of that peace. But here's what I want to say there. There is a. There's a greater problem. There's a greater problem than uh, American people's like, confusion or, or obliviousness uh, to the realities of physical war. Uh, the, the greater problem, the bigger issue uh, is the American churches obliviousness to the spiritual war that is raging all around us every day. Every day. In church, we... We read Acts 19 and, and we see these encounters with, with like demonic forces uh, and we say, oh, like that, like we, we look at that like that's something of the past, right? Like, oh, that happened back in Acts. That happened way back in, in Bible times. Uh, but that's, that's back there. That's not reality. And, and the, the reality is we need to wake up. Church, we need to wake up. Timothy a disciple of Paul who, who actually ministered in Ephesus said this in 1 Timothy 4.1. He said, Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times 
Some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teaching of demons. See, in our, our sophisticated, modernized, uh, tech-advanced culture, uh, these, those, those deceitful spirits may, may often go a little bit more, they may stay a little bit more incognito, but Christian, they, they haven't gone anywhere. They haven't gone anywhere. And, and so the question, Christian, as we dive into our text this morning, is this, are you aware that you live in a spiritual war zone? Christian, are you aware of that? Uh, one, another one of the core values of restoration is this value of spiritual faith. And so the question, Christian, is uh, do you live by spiritual faith? Are, 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 are you living unaware or, or, or maybe just unconcerned about these spiritual realities? Because Acts 19, 11 through 20 should be, it should be a wake-up call of sorts to us. We need to understand, for reading in, in, in Acts 19, we need to understand context. So it's, it's important to understand a little bit about Ephesus, where, uh, where Paul was rolling into. Uh, uh, D.L. Moody said this, he said, The cult of Artemis flourished in the city of Ephesus. The residents of Ephesus even built a, a temple to the goddess Artemis. Uh, and if you know your history, is one of the seven ancient wonders of the world. Uh, according to legend, the, the image of Artemis fell from heaven on the location where the temple was. In reality, Moody says, the object that fell from the sky was most likely a meteorite uh, that resembled this, this multi-breasted woman. Uh, but the superstitions, uh, superstitious Ephesians, like naturally, they're like, check out this meteorite. Let's worship it, right? <laughs> Makes perfect sense. So they built this magnificent temple. But Ephesus was, it was one of the five largest cities of the Roman Empire. It was not only uh, a, a thriving commercial center, uh, it was also a thriving intellectual center, uh, but it was also this hub for the occult. And we see this. It was also this hub for the practice of all these magic arts in Ephesus Listen, the, the picture that's being painted, it, it was a dark spiritual place, church family. It was a, a place that was saturated with this sort of religious syncretism. Uh, and, and so that's where, that's where Paul rolled into town, set up shop, and was doing ministry. The first thing that, that, that I want to look at is, as we look at this, this spiritual war zone is this. As we look at verse 11 through 16, we need a framework. We need a framework of a, uh, of a spiritual battle. We need the framework of a spiritual battle. I want you to look at your neighbor and just say framework. framework. Look at your other neighbor and say framework. framework. So church family, here's, here's what we can say definitively about Acts, Right? When, when the mission of God is advancing forward, like God's, God's power and God's glory are going to be on display. And so throughout Acts, we've seen some pretty incredible miracles, uh, miracles that validated uh, God's messengers, but also the message that they were bringing, the message of Christ crucified for sin and, and raised. 
And so uh, you look at verse 11, and, and, and all of a sudden, Luke, the author of Acts, he uses this, this terminology, this word. He said there, there was extraordinary miracles, right? And you think, uh, okay, so what, like, what's an ordinary miracle like? You know, I didn't know there were ordinary miracles. But he does. He uses this word, extraordinary miracles. And, 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 and it's this Greek word, Moody says, D.L. Moody again says this, by using the word tikusas, which was uh, the, the Greek word for extraordinary, uh, to describe Paul's miracles, Luke implied that they were exceptional in comparison even to the other miracles recorded in Acts. Now, let's not, you know, don't, don't, get, it, don't get it twisted. Who, who was doing, who was behind these extraordinary miracles? Verse 11 is clear. Look at verse 11. God was. Amen. God was behind these miracles. God, God was the one getting all the glory, which really helps set up verse 11 or verse 12. And it puts verse 12 in context. See, at, verse, at first glance, verse 12, you read verse, verse 12 and you're like, what? <laughs> Hold on. Because you, you read verse 12 and it just it admittedly, if you're rolling along, it can read a little crazy until... You understand the spiritual climate of Ephesus and the dark spiritual forces that were at work in this city. David Peterson says this about verse 12. He says, handkerchiefs and aprons were likely items connected with Paul's work as a tent maker, uh, which had made contact with his skin. They were, they were sought after, Peterson says, because of the widespread ancient belief that the bodies of particular people uh, or whatever touched them had healing power. And, and I love how Tony, Tony Evans, he, he jokes about this verse and he points to this verse. He says, Paul, Paul was so devoted to the Lord that, that after a hard day's work, even Paul's, uh, he, even his sweat was sanctified, right? Like this brother had sanctified sweat. And so you say, like, what, what gives? Because church, I'm pretty sure that Paul was not trying to upsell his wares to make a profit off the miraculous, right? Like, I'll just be honest, I've never understood this, right? Where, where uh, like an athlete's like walking off the court, you know, LeBron takes his headband off, it's like saturated in sweat, he throws it out, and some like middle-aged, like 35-year-old white dude's like, yes, and like as the sweat just slops on his face, I'm like, no, thank you. Right? Big, big fan of watching basketball, but keep that. Right? Um, I don't think Paul was trying to make a profit off the miraculous. Rather, in a, in a very powerful way, God was honoring the faith of those who believe by, by allowing these miracles to occur. God, Y'all, God, God was being exceedingly gracious. And here's why. It's because he... Even in the midst of all that, God condescended and he moved in people's lives despite their superstitious belief systems. It's, it's important to press in and to understand what's taking place, even though I, I get it. The temptation for, for us is to read a verse like this and for our minds to immediately kind of go to like the hokey like TV preacher or evangelist, right? Like you ever, you ever been just kind of like rolling through uh, in like TBN at like 1 a.m., right? You're like, you're like, you know, checking up on the Trinity Broadcasting Network. I know y'all, I know y'all do, right? 
And, uh, and, and you ever, like, you see them, like, at times, like, peddling, like, they're, they're like miracle wares, right? Call right now. You know, call right now, and we're going to give you this beautifully handwoven rug. It's made from wool fibers from the Holy Land. It's yours for $179.95, right? This, this rug is guaranteed to unlock God's will for your life. Really? <laughs> Like all, all this, all this while, I thought it was like through reading my Bible and through prayer and, and just being in community, walking in obedience. I just need a prayer rug, right? Like, wow. But what's, what's wild is that, that people fall for this stuff, right? People, people get duped by this stuff. Folks, folks who are desperate, right? Folks who, who with, with sick and dying loved ones, folks who, who truly are just, they're desperate for a miracle. And so you say, well, does verse 12, does this justify and validate the, the miracle prayer rug sold on, on TBN? Uh, no, no, it doesn't. Church, we, we, we must understand context. See, in Ephesus, in Ephesus, demonic powers were on display. They were on display for all to see. The, the enemy, listen, the enemy was working overtime. Satan was working overtime through the, the occult and through these dark spiritual practices in very just demonstrable ways in the city of Ephesus. We, listen, we, we take this for granted. We take this for granted in American culture as the American church because it's, it's not really often our experience. But, but listen, uh, spend some time in that remote African village or, or in that South American marketplace where it's, it's more commonplace, where the enemy works in these ways. See, verse 11 and 12 was about God. It's about God showing up and showing out to demonstrate his power and his authority. Amen? That's what verse 11 and 12 were about. It, was, it wasn't about handkerchiefs. It wasn't about aprons. It was about the authority and the power of the gospel message and of Paul, God's messenger. And see, they, they thought that it was about what Paul had touched, but it was about who had touched Paul. Let me say that again. They, they thought it was about what, what Paul had physically touched, but it was really about who had touched Paul. See, four times, four times in verses 12 through 16, the, the text mentions the, the reality of evil, these evil spirits. Four times. And again, these, these verses are, are revealing that there, there are very dark, demonic, spiritual forces at work in the world. And ultimately, they're, they're stirring up much of the evil in the world. We know that. Go, listen, jot this down. Go read Daniel chapter 10, right? Go, go read Daniel 10, 12 through 21. And you see this, that not only are these demonic powers real, they are organized. And they, they exercise dominion over specific geographic territories. And, and Daniel, in talking to this angel, he, the, the angel talks about the prince of Persia and the prince of Greece. He's not, he's not talking about human rulers. Now, now don't get me wrong. Listen, this doesn't give, this doesn't mean that human depravity isn't a thing, right? 
Man, man doesn't get a free pass. And we don't, we don't get to blame everything on the devil and on demonic powers. If, if, one, of, if one of my boys, if they, if they lie to my, my face, like my, my first go-to thought is not like, man, my, my kid is demon-possessed, right? Like, it's, it's not happening. Um, no, my thought is he's, he's a little sinner just like his dad, and he needs Jesus, Right? However, we cannot ignore the reality of spiritual warfare. Amen? We can't ignore the reality of this. Church, this is why Paul, when you open your Bible and you read Ephesians 6, like that's, that's the church at Ephesus. That's where Paul is. That's why he wrote Ephesians 6, 10 through 20. Right? When, when he gets into Ephesians 6, 10 and he says to the church in Ephesus, Finally, be strong in the Lord, in the strength of, of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be, you may be able to stand withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm you say what's the what's the application Here, here's some application Christian if you don't have the framework of a spirit of, of a spiritual battle it, it might be the reason why you continue to walk in defeat if you don't have the framework of a, of a spiritual battle, it may, it may be the reason why you continue to walk in the same cycles and the, the, the same patterns of sin. You, you've limited your perspective to the, to the physical world, right? To, to what's right in front of you, to what your eyes can see. And in doing so, you've not only taken your real enemy lightly, uh, you haven't taken him into account at all. We need to wake up. Church, we've got to wake up by faith. Believe that God's word in this area is revealing truth. That there is a spiritual, unseen war zone all around you. Now, don't be overwhelmed, right? Be confident. But that confidence is not, it's not in yourself. It's not in self. Be confident in the power of Jesus' name. Amen? Be confident in the power of Jesus' name. Second thing this morning is this. As we look at verse 13 through 17, we need faith in the power of Jesus' name. Amen? I want you to look at your neighbor and tell him faith. faith. Look at your other neighbor and tell him faith. faith. See, I, I, love, I love the matter-of-factness of the beginning of verse 13. <laughs> it just says this. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists. What? <laughs> like, this, like this is a reminder of how dysfunctional Ephesus was. And how in the midst of a dark spiritual climate, the crazies came out. Okay? Like students, I don't know what line of work you want to go into. Like I don't know what your major is. But I, I guarantee you, your major is not itinerant exorcism. Right? <laughs> You're like, where are you headed? My, oh, just my, you know, itinerant exorcism 301. <laughs> That's weird. I don't have any friends anymore. Um, 
<laughs> but specifically, the seven sons of this Jewish priest, Sceva, they, they're throwing around the name of Jesus like they could use Jesus as their personal tool to build their, their, their little exorcism business. And the, these, see, these cats had observed the ministry of Paul, and they, they knew they knew that the name of Jesus had power over these evil demonic forces that had long been dominating the Ephesian scene. And the text tells us that, that these men, they undertook to invoke the name of Jesus. And they, they adjured the demons to come out. In the Greek, this word adjure, it's horkizo. In the sense, is to authoritatively bind right, someone to an obligation or oath. So they roll up on these demons like, hey, listen, listen up. Y'all are going to listen to us, right? But interestingly, uh, one commentator said, whoever Sceva was, <laughs> he was not a Jewish high priest who held office in Jerusalem since their names, we have records of those names. Nor is it likely that ever he ever belonged to a high priestly family. More than likely, this was a Jewish man who just gave himself this, it was a self-appointed title, Right? It's a self-appointed title. Thomas Constable says this. There were some in the ancient world who feared the Jews because they thought the name of God, which the Jews refused to utter, Constable says, was the key to their, their powers, including their, their success in the business world. So needless to say, these seven sons of Sceva, this, this self-proclaimed Jewish high priest, they were happy to take advantage of the situation. They were also happy to take people's cash. And church, let me tell you, whatever, whatever they were expecting, like this was probably not it. Okay? Just like you don't, you don't put a loaded weapon in the hand of a child who isn't familiar with a gun. You don't put the name of Jesus in the mouth of someone who isn't familiar with the Savior. More importantly, one who is seeking to manipulate Jesus' name to exert power and authority over someone or something. You look at verse 15. It says, the evil spirit answered them. He says, Jesus, I know. Paul, I recognize. But who are you? Hold up. <laughs> Are you kidding me? If you're, if, you're, if you're these seven dudes at this point, you're thinking, we might have made a mistake here. Church fam, this, this demon was very real. And he knew who Jesus was. He, he, knew, he knew Paul, too. Problem was, he, he wasn't familiar with old, old uh, Sceva's, Sceva's sons. So you get to verse 16. It says, And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them. He mastered all of them, overpowered them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Like, that's crazy. Like, I, <laughs> verse 16 is crazy. Can we, can we just admit that? Like, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if you don't, don't answer this. Don't raise your hand. You ever been in like a legit squabble, Right? Like, I grew up with a big sister, no, no, no brothers. And so I didn't understand Squabble World until I was like 11. Uh, my, my, two of my best friends were Josh and Ben. Uh, Josh was three years older than me. Ben was a year older than me. They were the oldest of eight brothers. And one day, we're out playing ball in my backyard. 
and uh, you know, there in Angleton on Casey Street, and there was a disagreement, and I'm, th I'm like, you know, I'm thinking, oh, like we gotta, we gotta, we're gonna talk this out. Nope, <laughs> fist fight, right? <laughs> Full on, right? Josh won, right? Because he was two years older than Ben. Uh, and, and so now I have four boys now. So like, like squabbles happen on the regular, okay? Just, just regularly. Just pause for a moment and, and think about this Acts 19 fight, right? Think about this Acts 19 squabble. Like, what kind of fight was this? Uh, you want to know, know how you lost the fight? If, if, if after it, like, you're running away naked, okay? Like, like, whatever else is going on, whatever else is going on, if I hear a commotion and a scuffle, and then I see you running from another dude in your birthday suit, you lost. <laughs> like... I'm sorry, you lost. Verse 16 says the evil spirit mastered them. It's this Greek word, katakirio, and it means to exercise or have domain over, or to exercise domain over. It says the spirit in verse 16 overpowered them. It's this Greek word, ischio, to be able or to have power. These guys did not stand a chance in their own strength. What a, what a sobering warning. What a sobering warning to those who either arrogantly or ignorantly think that they contend, can contend against spiritual forces by their own resolve and power. See, and then you look at verse 17. Look, look at the contrast in verse 17 between the power or the lack thereof of these charlatans and the power of the Apostle Paul. See, these, these Jewish exorcists, they, they thought that they could wield uh, the power of Jesus' name like some kind of uh, magical incantation, but they were severely mistaken. They, they wanted an effective ministry. The problem is they didn't know the Messiah. D.L. Moody said this, they did not know the person of Christ so they did not have the power of Christ. Let me say that again. They did, not, they did not know the person of Christ, so they did not have the power of Christ. And you notice at the end of verse 17, notice the result. And fear fell, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. It's this Greek word, megalino. It means to exalt, to glorify, to magnify. Once again, it wasn't, this wasn't for Paul's glory. Church, it was for God's glory. It was for God's glory alone. What's more, Kent Hughes reminds us, it was not, notice, it wasn't the extraordinary miracles that brought on this healthy fear, but the knowledge that some who tried to use and manipulate Jesus' name had been judged. You say, well, what's, what's the application? Here, here, here's, here's some application. Church family, our, for restoration, our, our unique Church vision for 2022 is, is this idea of being all in to abide. All in to abide in Christ, to abide in his community. A month or so ago, we walked through John 15, yeah, preached uh, a handful of, of messages on this idea of being all in to abide. And, and what I want to say is, church, like, there is power in relationship. Amen? Like, like there, the name of Jesus has real authority over the forces of hell. 
over the power of demonic beings. The name of Jesus has power over sin and death. Amen? Like, do we believe that? That the name of Jesus has power over your brokenness. The name of Jesus has power over your guilt and your shame. The name of Jesus has power over your addiction. The name of Jesus has power over those habitual sins that you keep running back to. But listen, it has power not in like a hokey, name it, claim it sort of way. And listen, not not on your terms, but on God's terms. And so you're going to have to, one, believe the gospel. Amen? You're going to have to actually believe that the gospel is true, that Christ was crucified for your sin and raised, right? That it's his righteousness before the Father in your place. But two, you're also, as Hebrews 13, 9 talks about, you're going to have to be daily strengthened by the grace of God. So the gospel is not like a one-stop destination just for lost people. The gospel is for the church. We come back to it every day and we say, praise God. We sit at the foot of the cross and we say, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you that it's all by grace through faith. And we're daily strengthened in that grace. And so it means that you, you walk in obedience and you, you abide in Christ and you, you abide in Christ's people. You, you quit flirting with Christian community and be accountable to it. It means you receive God's forgiveness for you. But as the Lord's Prayer says, it's not just that. It's that you also forgive those who trespass against you. Those who have wronged you. It means that you hate your sin as God hates your sin. You see your sin as God sees it. And it means that you surrender because you know that it's only the power of God that will change your heart and your mind. Church, we've got to have faith in the power of Jesus' name. Amen? Third thing this morning is this. As we look at verse 18 through 20, we need to stand firm on the only word that lasts. We need to stand firm on the only word that lasts. So I want you to look at your neighbor, tell him, stand firm. firm. Look at your other neighbor, tell him, stand firm. Church family, this this passage is bookended by two references to the word of the Lord. You look at look at verse 10 back to kind of our 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 concluding verse last Sunday says this continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Then you fast forward, you look at verse 20 at the other bookend, and it says, So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. And what's interesting, Luke uses the same word, ischio, uh, overpower or prevail. It's the same word that we see in verse 16, where the demon that described the demon overpowering the unbelieving Jewish exorcist. Except now, it's the word of God that is prevailing and overpowering the entire city. Amen? Verse 18 and 19 is the picture of repentance. See, they were were so convicted and they they were so convinced by the superiority of the gospel and of God's word, that they they responded with radical obedience. 
Notice they, they, didn't, they didn't give away their, their books. They didn't, they didn't sell them. No, they, they took these uh, occult books and, and they brought them and they burned them, right? Aggie bonfire style. Narcisse Sproul says this. He says, books were very expensive in the ancient world. The, the library of ancient Ephesus is still standing. It's a magnificent edifice that was richly endowed with books. Most of the books that filled the library pertain to the occult. Books that promised power over nature and diseases. And, and, and let, me, let me drop some application here. Christian, what, what if you were this convinced uh, of the word of God? What if you were this convinced about the word of God? No, you, like, you probably don't have any dark uh, magic occult books. If you do, come talk to me. Um, but you can, you can still connect the dots. See, as Kent Hughes says, the, the connection is, is undeniable. Hughes says when the church cleanses itself, some on the outside are going to find that irresistible. He says, what would be burned today if the Spirit's conviction swept through the church? What would, what would be, we be burning up if the Spirit's conviction swept through the church? How about this? Christian, what, what, what beliefs, what ideas, what idols do you need to go from this place and burn today? Christian, are you standing firm on God's word, on the gospel, the only word that will last Right? All these other words that we give credence to and all these other ideas that the culture is pushing and that we hold up. Listen, one day they're going to they're gonna be gone. They're going to be burned up. And what's going to be left is the word of God and the gospel. I'll close with this this morning. We're done. Back to Ukraine. Friday, just a couple of days ago, I, I, got, a, I got an email from a Compassion International Representative, Seth and I sponsor uh, a kid, uh, Joshua Caleb in Honduras. And, and I got an email from a guy named Yaroslav Hetman, who uh, is one of the Compassion International directors, but he's originally from Ukraine. In his, in his email, he's just talking about the situation in the war. He says, a little over a week ago, Ukrainian children were going to school playing in parks, attending birthday parties. Now, he said, these same children are sheltered in cellars and bomb shelters. They're huddled next to strangers on piles of blankets, just trying to survive. He said, in the middle, in between air raid sirens, their mothers risk their lives to venture above ground to, to find the next meal for their children. Many of their fathers are doing everything they can to defend them at time, going on their knees in front of tanks. It's impossible, he said, to express the amount of fear and trauma that these kids are experiencing every moment of the day. What a reminder. Man, what a reminder to be praying, to be praying for Ukraine, to be praying for the Russian church, the Ukrainian church, to be praying for these people as this war is going on in Eastern Europe. But here, here's the question, right? Is we can, we can get a sense of urgency about that because we see it. But listen, our Christian, are you prayed up? Are you prayed up 
In putting on the spiritual armor at your disposal when it comes to the spiritual battle that you walk around in every day. Every day. We exist in a spiritual war zone. And Christian, let the, let the word, let Paul's words from Colossians 2, 13 through 15, let, let, let this wash over you where Paul said this. And you who were dead in your trespasses, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, with Christ, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. He, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. And he disarmed the rulers and the authorities and he put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Christ. Amen? Our Jesus has proven himself powerful. Amen, church? Amen. Church, he, he has made us alive. He has forgiven all of our sins and trespasses, church. He has disarmed these demonic forces that wage war against our souls and wage war in our world. And Jesus has won the victory. Amen? Praise God. Praise God there is power in Jesus' name. Praise God that, that His Word and His promises will not fail. But now, here's the thing. Let's, let's live not, not like those who are defeated, but like those who are triumphant. Amen? As Paul said it best in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Say that again. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Y'all pray with me this morning.